I want you to take your Bible, please. <clears throat> Find the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. It's in the Old Testament. And it's um, one you need to know is in your book. The book of Daniel. I want to talk to us a little bit more today and pray that the Lord by His Spirit will, will give impact and give power to these words from His Word. Subject of disappointment. Disappointment. The shocking mercy of God has been our topic for a bit. Love without limits. And it is one of those shocking aspects of the mercy of God when we come to grips with the reality that it is not a strange thing. It is not an unusual tool in the Lord's toolbox to use disappointment in our lives as a doorway to take us into great things, great things. Disappointment can take you to a place that you would never go without it. Disappointment can cause you to meet some people that you would have never laid eyes on if it had not ushered you into their presence. Disappointment demonstrates character. It is not intended to destroy character. Disappointment is where you go when your world caves in. And then the question following that is, so... So where do you go when your world caves in? What do you conclude about yourself, about God, when your plans and your hopes fail? Disappointment has a way of undressing us. It removes the makeup, exposes the fake self, the role-playing, the external. Disappointment has a way of taking us to our core, to what we really believe in. But what about this? What if it really is true that disappointment can be a means in the hand of God to take you to a bigger and better place? What if it will be the means of conveying to you gifts, 
and abilities that you didn't know you had? And what if disappointment is what really can give your life significance that it would never have had without it? The young man Daniel was probably in his late teens when he was snatched up at the command of probably the most powerful world ruler at the time, Nebuchadnezzar II, the king of Babylon. Daniel was snatched up along with a group of friends. We don't know how many was in the group necessarily, but there probably were several hundred Jewish people from the nobility, uh, from the royal family, the nobility in Jerusalem at that time. And they were forced to go to the city of Babylon. It was the beginning of, at the beginning of about a 20-year period in which Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, increased his grip on Israel. This first siege, which resulted in this first set of exiles, included Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and probably several hundred of others. But there would come a time, that was in 606 B.C., give or take, about 20 years later, in 586 B.C., the numbers count down from the before Christ era. You'll remember that, and they count up from the time of Christ's birth. So we're counting down. 20 years later, in 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar was allowed, God allowed it, to destroy Jerusalem, plunder the temple, it's estimated that hundreds of thousands of people were killed and brought into, taken into another realm of exile. We, we've touched on this last week, that that was, that was the last resort. That was after God had said, I've sent prophet after prophet to you. I've, I've tried to teach you through their words, but you wouldn't listen. And so the, one of the first things that happened was the allowance of this, this group of which Daniel was a part to be snatched up and taken, the royalty and nobility to be taken and made servants of, a, of the king Nebuchadnezzar. But Israel didn't change. 20 more years, they, they continued to go after false gods, they, they continued to to bring uh, perversion into the temple itself. And, and, and finally, finally, after 20 more years of this, God, God just said, I have had enough. Even with my own people. I brought, I brought you out of Egypt. I put you on your own land. I gave you, gave you your own property and territory. All I've asked is that you just love me, that you, you honor me. You honor me and I will honor you. He, he, he believed that, said that, spoke that repeatedly through 
his servants, the prophets. But Israel in time would have none of that. They would go their own way, and Jerusalem ultimately was, was destroyed. Back up to Daniel. Back up to Daniel. It was the way that this young man responded that causes us to even know his name today. If when disappointment hit and his world cratered and he was taken from everything that was familiar, not not by a choice of his own, but it was forced upon him, he was put in a strange place with strange people, with a strange language. Hostility was not a distant commodity. They, they were exiled. They had no rights. They had no embassy to go to. They were prisoners, slaves in a sense. Gone, had gone from freedom, from nobility, to being servants at best, slaves at worst. But it was the way that this young man responded to that level of disappointment that causes us to know his name. Instead of rolling over and giving up, instead of saying, God doesn't love me or God can't help me, He did an amazing thing, he and his friends. They determined that wherever they were, whoever they were around, they would do their best to honor God. Even in Babylon, even though no one would have blamed them for just checking out on God because God didn't protect them and keep them in the place of their familiarity. They chose to say, God, even if it doesn't make sense, even in our place of weakness and the strangeness of this place, we're choosing to trust you. And the best we can, we're going to try to honor you, believing that it was a truth about their God. If I will honor him, he will honor me. If I will honor him, he will honor me. Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, surrounded it, cut off any coming in and anything going out. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, And he brought them, those vessels from the temple itself, to the land of Shinar, to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, 
the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, of which Daniel and his three friends had to be a part, or they would not have been included in this group of exiles. Youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them, from the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and the commander of the officials changed their names, gave them new names. Daniel came to be known as Belteshazzar, Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, Azariah, Abednego. But look at verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord the king who has appointed your food and your drink for why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, verse 12, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink and then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So we listened to them in this matter, tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, their appearance seemed better, that they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. Now, they got fat on nothing but vegetables and water, thank you very much. And it didn't say about those vegetables being battered and deep fried. It just said they were vegetables and water. That in itself is a miracle. I'm so grateful that there are other things for us to eat besides vegetables and, 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 and nothing but water to drink. So the verse 16, so the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. And as for these four youths, now look at this. God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days, which the king had specified for, for, for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king talked with them. And out of them all was not one found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. And as for 
Every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. Now that's just a short parenthesis to indicate that Daniel evidently never went back to Jerusalem. He never saw the temple again. Never saw the Jordan River again, more than likely. He continued in Babylon throughout the administration of at least three kings, Nebuchadnezzar plus two. He grew old in Babylon, and he grew old in Babylon prospering. God had indeed a plan for Daniel that is like a plan that he can have for us as well. At the time when disappointment breaks our hearts, at the time when news comes that just shatters our dreams, God all along knows that he has in mind a bigger land and a better land for us. We don't feel it. We don't see it. We don't think it. We don't see any way that it could happen. But God is God, and Nebuchadnezzar is not. God is God, and we are not. Daniel, though disappointed, though with a tendency to be looking back over his shoulder, when am I going to get to go home? When am I going to get to go home? When is it ever going to be like it it, it once was? The truth was, Daniel, it's never, ever again going to be like what it once was. Daniel, the truth is, you probably will never geographically go back home. But Daniel, here's what you got to know. The God of Jerusalem is your God in Babylon too. (laughs) That where you are, he is. Where you are, he is. Sometimes we just need to wake up on a Monday morning, sometimes on a Wednesday, sometimes maybe on a Friday afternoon and say, God, I declare it. Where I am, you are. Where I am, you are. You are the God bigger than my disappointments. You're the God bigger than my dashed dreams. You're the God bigger than my pulverized hopes. And I will choose to do as Daniel chose to do to make up my mind, to trust you, to make up my mind to honor you. Because I believe, I'm saying to myself, I'm talking to myself, self, here's the truth. God is God and my circumstances are not. My God is bigger than that which has broken and disappointed my heart. I will choose to honor my God, believing that in his time and his way, he will honor me. Now, here's something that you also need to keep in mind. Turn back, hold your place in Daniel 1, but turn back to the left to Jeremiah chapter 29. God has a way of encouraging his folks with hope and instruction when we need it the most. 
The scripture will say he sent his word and it healed them. There's power in the word of God. There's power in the written word of God. There's power in the spoken word of God. There is power in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. When God speaks, something happens. When he speaks in a way that we understand is his voice to our hearts. Here's the automatic knee-jerk reflex reaction, faith. When we hear his voice to our hearts, the ability to believe him is automatic. Our flesh may struggle. Our mind may contest the conclusions in some ways. But we'll know in our knower that God has spoken. And what God has said, God will do. What God has said, we can anchor our lives in. We can build our future on. We can trust him because he cannot lie. Amen. So God has spoken to these exiles of which Daniel was a part. The prophet Jeremiah, the the great weeping prophet as he was called, was the one who spoke truth in the face of many false prophets who were saying, oh, this thing with with Nebuchadnezzar is just a temporary deal. It'll pass quickly. All those temple instruments and vessels that have been taken out within two years, one of them said, they'll be brought back. They'll be coming back. All those exiles will be coming back. Jeremiah was the rare one who would say, no, they're not. No, they're not. And any so-called prophet who would say otherwise is a false prophet. God didn't send them. God didn't speak it. He stood as a lonely voice in in a very difficult day. But notice what the Lord gave him, gave Jeremiah, to say to Daniel. He didn't address him specifically, but Daniel is one of these exiles. Jeremiah chapter 29 Verse 1, now these are the words of the letter which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exile, to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Turn the page. Verse 4, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all of the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, where? In Babylon, and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there, where? In Babylon, and do not decrease. And seek, look at this, you talk about permission. Listen, listen, permission just shot through. Seek the welfare of the city. Which city? Babylon, where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will have welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams which they dream, for they prophesy falsely in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Verse 10, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you 
and fulfilled my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Verse 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. They had just had their future and their hope ripped out of their hearts. The future and the hope that they could have imagined for themselves. The future and the hope that would have been something that would have suited their tastes and their appetites and the preparations of their thoughts. But he says, the Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you. I have plans. You're in exile now. You don't have a land of your own. You're in a hostile place in a sense right now, but, but I have plans for you for a future and a hope. Then, verse 12, then you will call upon me. Where? When will you do that? In Babylon, in the place of your exile, in the place of your greatest disappointment. What that will take to you, take you to, is a place where it will be in your heart like never before to call out unto me. Life will be simple there. You won't have all kinds of options. You'll have me as your preferred option, as your only option. Then you will call up. Folks, listen. From the perspective of heaven, disappointments will be the greatest blessings that could ever come along the way. When we have gotten ourselves so distracted by unimportant things, by less than necessary things, when those things are taken away, those things are threatened, and our identity goes with them, it's amazing how the Lord in his jealous love for us uses the subtraction to create the awesome addition of a heart that's focused on him, that's loving him and trusting him and blessing him. It wasn't in Jerusalem that you would call upon me, but in Babylon you'll call upon me. In the place of your exile, in the place of your disappointment, there you'll call upon me. And then he keep just keeps going with it. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I'll listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you where? In the place of exile in the place of my disappointment, maybe in the place of my worst nightmare that unfolded, that happened, that wasn't prevented, it came upon me, I will be found by you. And I will restore the, your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. The promise was that God hadn't forgotten them. The, the, the promise was that where they were, he was. And the promise was in that place of their disappointment, now in, in stark colors, in vivid reality, it's there in that place that they would find it within their hearts to cry out to the God of all creation. And the God of all creation would be heard by them, would be found by them. And his answer would be, I will restore you. I'll bring you back to the place that you were sent out from. He did. He did exactly that. 
And it would be at the end of 70 years when Nebuchadnezzar was gone. Another king came. Cyrus, a king, came in, rose to power. God put it in Cyrus's heart to offer to the Jews the opportunity to return from Babylon. And they return, and that wonderful story of how they, Nehemiah, they, they, they built the walls again. They consecrated the temple. The, the people of Israel had a place again. It happened exactly the way God said it would be. But it was 70 years. It was 70 years in the doing and in the making. Disappointment. Disappointments open doors. I want you to, somebody needs to hear this. Disappointment doesn't mean your life is over. Disappointment doesn't mean that there are no more open doors. Disappointment itself has open doors. And inside those open doors, greatness awaits. Greatness awaits. Folks, listen, we, we wouldn't have heard about Daniel. We wouldn't have heard about Daniel and the lion's den. We wouldn't have heard about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace if there hadn't been disappointment to be the introduction. You see, the, the, the significance of Daniel's life, I'll just mention this again. If he had not responded to disappointment in the way that he did, we wouldn't have heard about it. If he hadn't have made up his mind that he was going to honor the Lord, even if he's in Babylon, where he doesn't have any attaboys, he doesn't have anybody, any life coaches watching him and checking him off, see if he's doing it right, everybody would have given up or given him permission to just, to just give up. But he didn't. Maybe somehow, some way, those words of Jeremiah spoke to him. He Received them. He believed that they would be true. That God has a plan, a future, and a hope. And in this place, I'll find him if I search for him with all my heart. Somebody is listening to this preacher today. Somebody is listening to this preacher today. And you, you, you're battling with that conclusion of God's, God's given up on me. I, I, why, why didn't he stop it? Why didn't he keep it in place? Why didn't he protect? Why didn't he provide? But the truth of the matter is, there's something else inside you that is blowing up as you hear these words. Don't give up on God because he hadn't given up on you. Disappointment, disappointment has its way of being an open door to a closer, tighter, deeper purer, stronger relation with the God of all age, all creation, who can do anything he chooses to do at any time, anywhere. And the strongest political ruler on the face of the earth was not strong enough to keep God Almighty from drawing close to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and proving his power, showing his power to them. The significance of the way Daniel responded to the disappointment. It's why we know him. Material, just think about this. Material from every chapter in the book of Daniel. 
is either quoted or alluded to in the book of Revelation. Every material from every chapter. Only two chapters in the entire book of the Revelation are without some background in Daniel. If Daniel had checked out, if Daniel had given up on God, If Daniel had just said, it's too hard, it's too tough, people were too mean to me, this circumstance was too awful, I'm just checking out. If he had checked out, we'd have never known his name. But because he didn't check out, because he didn't give up on his God, because he believed that the word of the Lord was somehow true, we know his name. And and the book that he wrote, it's not an extremely long book, but... In, in the most, perhaps the most powerful and certainly the most prophetic book of any of the books in the entire Bible, the last book in your Bible, the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel saturates that book. Jesus, for Jesus to use the term about himself, give himself the title, the Son of Man, the Son of Man, that came straight out of the book of Daniel in a vision that Daniel had had of the Lord. Disappointments open doors. Now, here's an interesting thing. God at one point, through the writing of Jeremiah, refers to Nebuchadnezzar as his servant. Nebuchadnezzar, the destroyer of Jerusalem, the one who takes Daniel and others um, into exile, God calls Nebuchadnezzar one of his servants. And we can, we can scratch our heads and pull on our eyebrows and purse our lips in weird ways. How, how, how could God use Nebuchadnezzar? How could God call someone like Nebuchadnezzar godless, profane, cruel, brutal, egotistical, How could God ever call him his servant? My brother, my sister, he is God and you ain't. Our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. For that period in time, for that moment in time, it was necessary for someone like a Nebuchadnezzar to be used as the hand of discipline, the Lord's discipline against the children of Israel. But get this, get this. God also knew that there was a 17-year-old punk kid who had a heart for him, who would be in the midst of those exiles, who eventually would be brought into the personal, face-to-face, knee-to-knee conversational relationship with that Nebuchadnezzar, the second king. And that that king would have a dream. And the dream, he couldn't figure out. So he calls everybody in, all the ones who are supposed to know how to do those things that were on his staff, interpret dreams. He calls them in. Daniel somehow is one out on the edge of the periphery of that and his three friends. But they're included in the mix. And he says to those men, I've had a dream. I don't know what it means. I'm paying you. 
to interpret dreams. But here's the trick on this one. I'm not telling you what the dream is. You got to figure it out, and then you come and interpret the dream to me. And if you can't do it, every last one of you, your dog, your cat, your donkey, they're all going to be killed. Nice man that he was. But he had that power. The word goes out. Daniel gets word. That death is coming unless they can figure out what the king dreamed and what it meant. This is Daniel chapter 2. Daniel sent word back to the king some way or another. Sir, if you'll just give me a little time. I believe that I can do what you're asking or that I will be helped to do what you're asking. And then he got with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he said, Brothers, we got to pray. We got to pray. And we need to ask the Lord what this is, what this means. Is this something that he would want us to, to save our lives and all the other lives? As they waited before the Lord, God opened Daniel's understanding. Gave him the dream, gave him the interpretation. He goes back in to see the king, and he just tells him everything that he has received from the Lord. Look over chapter 2, verse 46. Chapter 2, 46. And stay with me. I know this may be a little bit disjointed at this point. I'm trying to pull it together here in a minute. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face. And did homage to who? Daniel. Now, who's Daniel? He's not the Pharaoh from Egypt. Rome hadn't come yet, so he's not an emperor. It's Daniel. It's the exile. It's the young kid who didn't give up on his God, even though his dreams had been crushed. He did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present him with an offering And fragrant incense, the king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel, gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made request of the king, and the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. Through disappointments, open doors. Greatness awaits because disappointment can put you in the company of powerful people, can put you in the place, in the position to have an opportunity to speak into influential people. Daniel would never have had an audience with Nebuchadnezzar II if he had stayed home in the neighborhood in Jerusalem. God had bigger and better plans for Daniel than what Daniel could ever have imagined. But go to be encouraged by that. 
I don't know where I am. I don't know how I got here. I don't know what in the world is happening here. God put you there. And expect that he, as he has put you there, will equip you with every cotton-picking thing you're going to need to do what you're there to do for him. I love that verse where it talks about God gave to them. God gave to these young men intelligence and wisdom, the ability to master different types of knowledge. Can, we, can I just shout this? Can I stand up on a pew and just shout this? The, the real God of heaven, the real God who really loves you is not just a Sunday morning church building God. He gave, he gave to these young men, look at verse 17, 117. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. God gives folks the ability to master the scripture. That's important. He gives folks the ability to memorize the scripture, and that's important. But God also has the ability to do for you where you need it just exactly what he did for Daniel and his friends to give you the ability. God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature. Now look, let's skip over verse 19. The king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Zazariah. So they entered the king's service. And as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in his One of the open doors that disappointment brings, you get put in a place that you would never pick for yourself. You get put in a place where God has assigned you to be. And here's what goes along with that. Everything you're going to need to not just compete, but to excel in that area, God will give it to you. And it may not be chapter and verse. It might, may not be quoting the whole book of James in Greek, you know. It may be able to, God gives you the ability to administer something. God gives you the ability to, to sort something out in some kind of mechanical problem, design problem. God gives you the ability to help people get along who they have great potential, but they're going to kill each other and kill the company if they're going to get along. But God gives you an ability to make peace. Hallelujah. You know, we need some testimony nights like that. Well, God gave me something I didn't even know I had the ability to do. Why does he do that? So, so you can be bloated and we can walk in, our head have turned sideways, get through a door? No. So that he gets the credit, and you know who knows he gets the credit the most? You do. Because you know that wasn't native to you. I'm exiled. I've been thrown out, drop kicked through the goalpost of life. Don't even know where I'm landing. But here I am in this place. It's strange for and even speak different language. I don't know a person. But I sense the presence of my king. I sense the presence of my God. And all I want to do is honor him with the little things to start with. You know, what they were going to eat, what they were going to drink. That, that's all. And he didn't even have permission to eat or drink what he wanted to. He had to go and get permission for that. But in that place, listen, in that place of exile, you see as he read down that commander, the commander had compassion on him. God had the ability 
to give Daniel favor with a pagan, no God, you know, political, military leader. God had the ability to put compassion and favor toward Daniel in this guy who could have just shut the whole thing down. If that guy had said, not going to do it, not going to do it, too much risk for me, then we, we might never have heard any more about Daniel. God is the God of the big picture, brother or sister. He knows all the pieces that need to come together. He knows where favor needs to be bestowed. He, he knows where kindness needs to come. You know, I, I'm, I know I'm looking at the faces of some of you who, who would just stand up and shout it. You would just say it. I, I'm telling you, disappointment rewrote my life, preacher. Disappointment rewrote my life. I thought I had to have something. I thought I was going to die with if I didn't get it. And then it didn't turn out. And I'm so thankful today God didn't give me what I thought I had to have. I'm so glad he didn't keep me in Jerusalem and Babylon. It's turned out to be not such a bad place. Because I sense his presence there. And I know that when I call on him, he hears me. He knows and I know I'm not perfect. But I know like I've never known before that he loves me, that he'll never leave me, and he'll never forsake me. And when I don't have anybody else saying, attaboy, good job, wonderful, super, when nobody else is saying squat, I hear that going off in my heart. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Where did Jesus hear those words? Was it in Mary's lap? Was it when the wise men came? Where did he hear those words? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was as he was facing and enduring and moving toward the moment of his destiny, which was pain for him and humiliation for him, but his God hadn't abandoned, his Father hadn't left him. He bore the image of the Father. He bore the heart of the Father in his own chest, and he was dying in obedience to the Father's command. This is my beloved Son. Oh, listen. <laughs> I know I don't need to say this with this crowd necessarily, but Sometimes we get so caught up in this phony baloney that God's just on the side of the rich and famous. And you can only tell how favored you are with God by how many houses and jets and pairs of shoes you got. There's a powerful and wonderful and clear Greek word for that theology. Baloney. 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 Let me spell it for you. Beta, alpha, lambda. Omega, Gamma, New, Alpha, Bologna. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's in the darkness that he whispers, I love you. I love you. Sometimes it's in the darkness or sometimes it's with the thunder crashing and the lightning splitting the sky. He doesn't say anything, but you just know he's there. So here's the deal. 
If disappointment is the travel corridor to that place, then Jerusalem, with all of its comforts, with all of its familiarity, with all of its attaboys by the familiar people, if disappointment is the way into this place with him, and into this place of realizing that he will give to me the ability not just to cope, not even just to compete, but he'll give me the ability to excel. And he will have the ability to put me in the presence of the rich and famous and the powerful, and it won't move me. I am what I am. I do what I do. I have honor of seeking to honor the Lord so that he would be free to honor me. There's some folks in this room, I'm telling you, that if the truth were known, there's a microphone from their face, they'd be able to say disappointment, disappointment. Yes, I get that. But disappointment is the reason that I stood in the presence of this one. Disappointment is the only reason that I had the opportunity to speak this to someone. But I end with this. You may never end up interpreting a dream for the Nebuchadnezzar II in your life. But you know what? When disappointment hit you and those closest to you knew that that was a dream, that was something that hit close to home, but the way that you responded will live in their minds and in their hearts. That will be your legacy. Even when they had every reason to give up, even when she had every reason to, to turn away from God, even when he had every reason to not go on, he kept on trusting. I'm telling you, it all goes back to that. If Daniel had not made up his mind in the beginning, Lord, I'm going to honor you even if it's vegetables and water. That's all I've got to say anything about right now. But even in what I eat, I want to honor you. There would never have been dream interpretation. There never would have been elevation to a high ruler in the Babylon. It all started there, how he responded initially to the disappointment. Will you and I trust him when our dreams are shattered, when our hope seems to be exploded? Will we trust him? Well, let me give you this verse. As we end this time together, Daniel did not have, even on his good day, what you have on your weakest day. Daniel was before Calvary. Daniel was before the victory of the cross of Jesus over sin and Satan and death and the grave. And beyond that, 
the Holy Spirit would move upon individuals in the old covenant, would come and be there for a season for the accomplishment of a purpose, but then could lift off. But when Jesus said, I'll never leave you, and I will never forsake you, let go of you, abandon you, drop you, forget about you, turn you over to somebody else, leave you without I will never forsake you. Daniel hadn't heard that, but we by the Spirit have heard that. And then this one. Here's Paul. Here he is. Now, may the God of hope fill you up with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. There is the generator of hope, the generator of trust that works within us by the power of the Spirit of Christ who lives within us that can keep us going when the flesh wants to quit. The Spirit remains willing. The flesh is weak, but the Spirit is strong as the Spirit of God fills us and keeps us walking that way. Now, right now, your place of exile, your place of disappointment, now may the God of hope, that word for hope, you remember this, has two parts, hope, a wish, a wish for something, a longing for something, desire for something. but then the second part of it, an expectation <laughs> that what I'm hoping for, what I'm wishing for, that I'm giving to God is going to happen. It's not just an empty hope. Oh, I hope, I hope. No, the kind of hope that is the hope of God. Now may the God of hope. That means there's a wish, there's a felt desire, there's a fierce longing, but there is also right up next to that, the flip side of that same coin is, there is somehow, some way, an expectation that what God has put in your heart to believe him for and expect from him, it's coming. It's going to happen. Now may the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope, overflow in hope, exude hope. Folks see you coming and they say, here comes hope. Here comes hope. When they shouldn't have any hope, when they shouldn't get, they should have given up on stuff. Look at him. Here comes hope. Look at her coming. Here comes hope. Exude hope. How? Where's it going to come from? You read all the verses on hope, read all the books on hope, listen to all the songs on hope? No. By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power. Fill me, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. What does that mean? That's going to mean that we're filled with hope. With hope. One more time. Through disappointments open doors greatness awaits hallelujah amen amen let's stand together if you would please now I, if, if this is hit close to home this is where I want you to do your, your response is just to stand there with your palms open like this just, just stand there before the Lord with your palms open. If this is, if you've heard this and said, Lord, here we are, empty-handed. 
we don't have a thing to contribute to the equation except our emptiness, except our weakness. But in that place of our palms being open to you, there is the desire for you to give us. Give us, Lord, what is yours to give. Hope within us. Lord, what we get to thinking and we, we, we want to quit. We want to give up. We want to just crawl in a hole and pull a rock over our heads and just let the world pass us by. Lord, will you give us trust in you? Will give, you give us by the power of your spirit the ability to hope, to hope in you? Lord, will you give us the ability to thank you for the open doors that disappointment produces? Will you forgive us for the times that we whined and complained and got upset at this, that, and the other? And you know the human side of us, but Lord, that hadn't helped us a bit. That hadn't got us anywhere except deeper in a hole. So what we ask for, Lord, is that you would have mercy on us, that you would cleanse us from every bit of unbelief, and you would fill us with hope. You'd fill us with the ability to trust you. You'd write it within the fabric of our that obeying part of us that we will say, Lord, I, I, I will honor you believing that you will honor me. I honor you, Lord, believing that you will honor me. In Jesus' name.